Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. You know, it comes to building prisons. Obviously, prisons, <laughs> we need prisons, but um, it costs money to build prisons. So presumably, if we're going to build a brand new prison, it's because there's a need for it. But what if there isn't? And it seems as though maybe we've got that situation uh, up in Edmonton. Investigation by Global News uh, has found that the $2 million military prison uh, often operates with no inmates. The Edmonton Detention Barracks, a small 25-cell prison, runs on, a very rigid, uh, runs on very rigid military lines and is falling steadily into disuse. On just over half the days since January 2017, it has had no prisoners at all. Still has a staff of 30, commanding officer, deputy commanding officer, sergeant major, and others. Enough guards to run the jail 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, on a system of four six-hour shifts a day. Running this institution costs about $2 million a year. So why is it there, then, if there are no prisoners? Or very few. Fletcher Kent, a reporter with Global Edmonton, been covering this story today. Fletcher, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Uh, so this prison is relatively new then, is it? Oh, no, it's been, this one's been around for, for, for quite some time. This is, uh, this is actually the last of the uh, prisons that the, uh, the military has. I mean, these things, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but these used to be dotted all across the, uh, the landscape years ago, especially right after World War II, back when we had a much bigger military than we do right now. There's some of these detention facilities that were uh, pocketed all over the place, but now the military sort of changed what they're doing. They've got this one that's left, and now everybody across the country that gets, uh, that gets detained or sentenced to some kind of detention within the military system, they're sent here. Right. So, I mean, I guess ideally it would apply to any prison. I mean, ideally nobody's breaking the law, nobody's going to jail. So maybe there's yeah. there's a good news aspect to it. I mean, does that suggest that things are changing in the military, that they, they don't really have uh, you know as many problems to deal with? Well, that's why that's one of the questions that's come out of this, right? I mean, why? I mean, you take a look at the numbers, the hard fast numbers here, and it shows you know if you only got uh, half the time, you got a maximum of one person in there. I mean, part of it is part of the question, like you said, is do we need it? But the other part is, why is that the case? And you know, we've we've, we've been asking some of those questions. Uh, uh, some people are just say simply saying that the quality of the recruit is better than they used to be. I mean, you go back a long ways away, uh, back after World War Two. They're taking, I mean, you had conscription in a little bit of part of that. You're taking anybody that you could to be able to go over and fight in World War II. Shortly after that, uh, you know, you're, you're drawing down your forces. Uh, in the 80s, there was a desperation attempt to uh, try to bring in some more recruits. So uh, maybe the quality of the recruit wasn't quite as good. And there's, the, there are, there's this group that says, no, they're much, much better. They're much more educated. They know what they're getting into. They're not the type of people that are going to be running into the trouble that might land them into prison. Also, there's changes in ideals of what 
that is the right way to try to uh, discipline uh, a soldier. They're moving away from this. uh, uh, Typically, they're saying they're moving away from some of these. We're going to send you to the detention facility. We're maybe going to look at uh, extra drills or fines or some of these other sorts of things within the unit rather than dealing with it in this particular way. So there's a, there's a variety of opinions on why it's the case, but certainly that's one of the big questions is the why as well as the what do you do about it. So it, it's not as though it's empty all the time, nope. but we, nope. we've had a lot, of, um, a lot of days over the last couple of years where, where it has been then virtually empty or no inmates. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you look at the exact numbers, 427 uh, days out of the last six years, so that's 2,190 days. Absolutely nobody in there. Uh, 627 of those days, uh, there was one prisoner in there. I mean, and it steadily gets smaller and smaller. The, the, out of uh, There's nine days in the last six years where there has been nine inmates in there. And, I mean, there's hardly any other times uh, other than those, right? So uh, for the vast majority of the times, you've got zero, one, maybe two prisoners in there at any one time. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's not a lot for them, uh, not a lot for the guards to, to look after, for sure. So what are the options for the military then? I mean, I guess you need to have some facility for those times when you do have to, to incarcerate uh, well, that's individuals. Qu- yeah, that's, that's the question, do you? Uh, you know, and I'm not taking a position on this one way or the other, but we talked to a couple different people with starkly different uh, sides of this. We talked, there's a, there's a lawyer based out of Ottawa that used to be a colonel uh, in the military that says, no, I don't think you do need this. He says... Uh, the way that we discipline soldiers has changed over the years. Uh, this this isn't the way that we should be doing things. That all that whole bread and water and go to yourself sort of thing. No, that's not the best way to make this work. Um, you for those who break the law, for those who break the rules. There's uh, well, those who break the rules that might be a detained that might not be breaking the law per se. Uh, you can do that within the unit. Uh, if you're breaking the law, the civilian system can look after that. That's his position. He doesn't. But it's important to note that he doesn't like the whole system that lands a lot of the soldiers into this prison in the first place. This is it's called a summary trial. There isn't. Um, you don't. The soldiers don't necessarily have the rights to appeal. They don't have the right to representation in the same way that you would in the uh, in, in the civilian system. So he has some constitutional questions, so he doesn't like the system anyway. But he says it's time to get rid of it. On the other side, we spoke to some other people who talked about this isn't, and I think this is a very important point in all of this, this isn't about finding an efficient way, he says, to detaining soldiers that may be a problem. He points out that this is also training for those who work at the facility. If you, if you, His point is, if you accept the fact that the military may need to have a detention facility or the ability to operate a detention facility when you are deployed to war, when you are, like, say, in Afghanistan, when we were there, if we need something like that, we need people who know how to do that. We're not going to hand over any soldiers who may commit kind of war crimes over to the uh, local authorities. And if we capture prisoners of war, we need to know how we're going to be able to to deal with them, we can't just sort of make it up as we go. So to him, he sees this uh, this prison uh, in part as a training facility to be able to train our troops, so much like anybody who is training on a tank or training on an airplane. You're not using those to shoot at people on a day-to-day basis, but you're spending money to learn how you're going to need to if, in fact, time has come. So there's a couple of different uh, opinions on there on whether you need it or not, but there's some pretty interesting discussions. Well, yeah, clearly there are. Now, has the the Canadian forces then taken a position on the need for this or whether they're exploring options to to maybe scale back? 
Not formally, no. Uh, we spoke with the commanding officer there, and he reiterated the importance of this. I mean, the other thing that he emphasizes as well uh, is the value of the rehabilitation. This isn't just about – and what soldiers do when they're in there are also is also different than what you would typically have if you're sent to another kind of prison. Uh, this, I, by many people, I've heard referenced as uh, intensive rehabilitation, if you will, uh, going back to uh, basic training, mm-hmm. uh, going through everything that made you into a soldier. Uh, and they're going to hammer those sorts of philosophies and those ideas back into you and try to make you into uh, a good soldier once again, so that once you leave those walls, you're going back into your unit. Your colleagues can have faith in you, and they can trust you uh, if you're if you're sent into a dangerous situation. So it's a bit different. It's not like here's the guards that are look at going to make sure that you serve your sentence is sort of almost deterrent. This is here. You've got some people in uniform looking after another person in uniform because they know that they're going to have to rely on them and try to make them into a better soldier. So there's more invested in between the guards and the system and the people that are in there. So it's a slightly different way of uh, uh, seeing the, the, the justice system. Uh, so uh, there's been no change as far as I'm aware of uh, the military uh, feeling that this is beneficial. This does serve a purpose in trying to uh, rehabilitate soldiers. And also, yeah. I mean, if we want to talk costs as well, that's another thing that the military has talked about in the past, that it often does cost a lot of money to train a soldier to be a good soldier. They go off the track if they think they can be rehabilitated. This is a much cheaper option uh, to rehabilitate those soldiers and make them good soldiers once again than it is to just give up on them, kick them out, and then have to spend that money retraining them as well. But I guess, yeah, I mean, if, if, if a member of the Canadian Forces, you know, robs a bank or something like that, they're more likely then to end up in the criminal justice system than be mm-hmm. dealt with by, by the Canadian Forces internally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these aren't, and, and it's difficult to say all the different sorts of cases that will come, you know, where, where soldiers will come into this, uh, into this facility. Uh, but if these aren't the ones that if they go out, uh, you know, while they're on their break and they go get into a bar fight and they end up having, you know, killing a person it's not that kind of thing these are uh these are some other offenses these are not quite court-martial offenses i mean i got a list of some of the some of the examples uh one of the one of the people serving time in 2015 uh was a soldier who used a federal government credit card that was issued to him to buy fuel for military vehicles he used it for his own personal car twenty thousand dollars over a three-year period he got a 60-day sentence there's another person who punched his commanding officer in the face uh somebody that was uh used embezzled fifty thousand uh, dollars to pay for a uh, for a VLTE gambling habit those sorts of things so these I mean they're they're obviously serious issues that probably would get most people fired from their jobs but they're not necessarily things that would get people uh, sent to jail or prison in 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 the uh, civilian world yeah very interesting Fletcher thanks for making some time for us here today appreciate this yeah not a problem My all pleasure. right take care Fletcher Kent to report of Global Edmonton following this story today so it is quite fascinating, isn't it, that we, look, we still have, you know, military justice system, uh, and we still need some kind of uh, detention facility then to, to hold those who are deemed to, to warrant that. But we're spending $2 million a year to keep this open, and most of the time there are no inmates there. So does that make sense? Now, some of the cases, and, and Fletcher alluded to a couple of them, uh, where people have ended up in, in detention. 2015, a master corporal in uh, Ontario been using a federal government credit card to buy fuel for military vehicles. He was bu- using it to buy gas for his personal car. $20,000 over a three-year period. He got 60 days. 
But again, as they, they said in sentencing, it marks the beginning of the efforts you now need to make pay your debt to society and the Canadian Armed Forces and to rehabilitate yourself with fellow soldiers and superiors. So you get the sense that a lot of cases, even though people have done bad things, the military is still hopeful that they can contribute something. That if the military is going to wash their hands of somebody, uh, then it's more likely they're going to end up in the criminal justice system. Uh, in 2014, a soldier in an engineering unit in Ontario was caught with about $1,000 worth of various drugs. He was given a sentence. A soldier in Wainwright who punched a sergeant three times in the face got 15 days. And in 2017, a corporal got 14 days for stealing $13,000 worth of camera equipment. So th- these are the typical kinds of cases. They're not very long sentences. And so that's why most of the time you'll find that there are nobody in this prison. They were spending $2 million a year to, to maintain it and keeping a pretty considerable staff. What are they doing all day if there's no inmates there? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.